0: Hi, and welcome to Gen Extemporaneous. This is a podcast where I come up with an idea, I do some research, I grab a bottle of wine, I bring everything to Mark, and he pontificates. In today's episode, we are going to be speaking with Chuck Suffol, author of Sherlock Holmes and the Wonderland Conundrum, a comic book that he wrote. Sure did. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I did. Oh. Hi, and welcome to Gen Extemporaneous. This is a podcast where I come up with an idea, I do some research, I grab a bottle of wine, I bring everything to Mark, and he pontificates. In today's episode, we are wrapping up our interview with the author, Ark, and we're gonna be talking with Chuck Suffol, author of Sherlock Holmes and the Wonderland Conundrum, a great comic book. And let me tell you, this was a fun conversation. Please, if you would like to support this podcast, find us on Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash gen Extemporaneous for $5 a month. You can receive all kinds of different episodes, including Video Thunderdome, Internet Archaeology, and our newest segment, What the Actual Fuck. Thanks for joining us each week. If you do like us, share us with a friend. I'm Mark Snedeker. Hello, Christina LaRusso. I mean, not the best introduction I've ever done, but it was completely extemporaneous. Well,
1: and that's, you know, <laughs> to be found somewhere in the title of this podcast. So uh, yeah, th- I'm excited to get into this conversation. It was a fascinating look at not only the world of comic books, but also publishing, mm-hmm. being an author, pop culture. I'm here for it.
0: It was it was a great conversation i love chuck so much and i i've really got to figure out a marry way. Him? well i want to find a way wouldn't it be fun to have jared and chuck and chuck on, on and together like
1: battling funny Cause guys
0: because chuck, <laughs> chuck was really funny he was funny it was really funny all now, right
1: this is probably very confusing for people who think that we've already had this conversation. It's because we have.
0: We have already had this conversation. And there's really not much that we need to say because Chuck was such a pro. He, j- yeah. It was just a very fluid, easy conversation. Yes. If you are interested in reading his comic book, we give you the information about how to get it at the end. But again, it is called Sherlock Holmes and the Wonderland Conundrum. It's very clever. Took me a while to figure out what was going on. Mark oh, knew right I, from the beginning. Well, you know, from the
1: title, <laughs> I think.
0: <laughs> I guess I was just going into it. It's just a pure joy of looking at I its know. beautiful uh, illustration. You just brought and your
1: tabula rasa to the, I uh, did. To the
0: experience. I and did. But anyway, all right. So let's leap into the episode and we'll hear from Chuck. And then we will be back at the end to just say a few words. Hi, Chuck. Thanks so much for joining us on Gen X Temporaneous.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Hi, guys. Good to meet you.
0: Chuck, give us a little bit about your background before we launch into drilling you with questions.
2: Right As of right now, I I am a um, comic book creator and writer. I have a book out in stores and and online right now, and I've done that for a while. But I started off um, as a comic book fan and as a comic book reader who got to dabble at a young age got to uh, hang around the scene, got to meet a lot of people, got to see a lot of fun, cool stuff. And then finally got myself to the point where I could do it myself. Finally got my courage up and started writing and, and, and getting out there. Comics are a form and a medium that I love. And I think one of the best ways to tell a story. And if you like them, you love them. And if you don't like them, you haven't read them yet. That's, That's the probably spirit. the best way I could tell you where I
1: am. I like it in life.
2: I have some friends who are in the business so you get exposed to it early and you start to say wait a minute these guys are just guys who do something
1: yeah it's just a job right yeah
2: exactly it is it's a job but it's also a passion most of these guys are are guys who've been writing or drawing or, or involved in it forever for some reason like everybody who's in comics has always been in comics it seems in some capacity um I'm a spinner rack kid you know I bought books at the candy store uh I bought anything and everything I could get my hands on for a long time In my late teens, I met a guy through a girlfriend, one of her friends, who was uh, working at the time for Bill Tucci. He's a a fairly famous comic book artist. Okay. And this guy was working in his studio, just drawing backgrounds and stuff. And he really like sparked my like, wow. So you're just a guy from you know Queens who's drawn for this guy? That's really cool. And I got the opportunity to rewrite a script just for the hell of it. That's cool. About Mickey Mantle. Yeah, it was a personality comic. It was an imprint back in the '90s. And uh, this this friend of mine was getting a chance to draw it, and the script he had been given was horrendous. And I will say that <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't think there's anybody who would who would you know who would um, argue it.
1: They're probably not and having you rework down. a brilliant, flawless script. So yeah, yeah exactly. Well, that was, that was that was the so. joke
2: of it. It was like, yeah. well, I could write better than that. Yeah. Come on, you know who can? Be? And that was obnoxious of me to say. But we tried. I went. I was working at Barnes and Noble at the time, and I went and I. Stripped a few paperbacks, uh, we'll explain that sometime if you need it, um, brought him home, read them up, wrote out a script, did not get the, the writing credit on it. Got like a story editor credit on it. Lame. Which was fine, didn't get paid for it. But the minute I wrote a comic script, I said, this is really cool. I wanna say it's like a perfect amalgamation of storyboarding and screenplay writing. You write a script, but you describe what you want the artist to draw. Anywhere from really vaguely to all the way to, you know, the infinitesimal.
1: What kind of comic Art? would you write for the Mick? I mean, what, what did, it was, I mean, was a biography book. Yeah. Was did he a, hit like, I was going to say, did he hit a lot of homers? I'm guessing
2: Probably. <laughs> it was a straight bio. We yeah. went all the way from, you know, farm boy to, to superstar.
1: Is there a picture and, of well, him twisting his knee in the drainage ditch in center field?
2: <laughs> no, but there's a great, uh, one of those great, like legend home run hitter shots. Oh yeah. A couple of really nice splash pages. That's awesome. You know? Um, and again, it was, you know, it was a quick and dirty. We did it over a weekend and it got done. And this kid drew a great book. My friend Juan is a good artist. And it was just one of those things, the minute I did it, I I wanna do this again. And then I didn't do it again for 30 years. (laughs) Well, you got got busy.
1: Because you don't,
2: because you get a job and you get married and you have children and you, you know. So I was looking for a way to stay in comics at that time. And I was going to comic conventions. I was meeting all these, these young guys who were who doing independent books. And I said, somebody, you got to tell people about this. So I started blogging on, I, my God, it was early 90s. So who knew what platform I was using? You know, live, some,
1: live journal <laughs> or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, something like that, exactly.
2: And I got a couple of reviews out and people liked them. And I, I got some traction. I went, oh, okay, I can do this. And I, I'm, I'm a computer tech by trade. That's what I was doing then. So I I can probably launch a website. So I put a website together and launched it. And it went pretty well. We were getting, we were getting passes to every convention. We were getting promo from every company we were getting good interviews it was fun i had a couple of guys who wanted to write we were all doing it for free because god knows you don't make any money writing reviews right you get a lot of free stuff though and that's fun and oh, you get go. to meet everybody
0: yeah. and, swag and is meet good people and to like yeah. oh to be able to go oh. to conventions and stuff that's with a press awesome. pass yes yeah. to
2: walk into new york comic con with a press pass how did was you get insane. a press pass Cause he's a reviewer. You apply, yeah. <laughs> you contact the convention and say, I want to come in as press. And they look at your site and they say, yeah, yeah, yeah all right. But um, I got to tell you, when you get into that stuff, it's, it's amazing. Um, I don't, I was sitting in on like TV panels, round tables, you know, with badass. guys from, from HBO and stuff. You're like, what am I doing here? I write, you know, it's it's a yeah. it's a WordPress site, like <laughs> yeah. I rolled this Whatever. out myself, fellas. But okay, you know, I <laughs> don't need to know
0: that. Um, that's terrific, yeah. though. And, and probably exactly.
1: two months ago, they were that guy too. So they mm-hmm. just got pretty got
2: much. Then, so that's what happens. You walk around the comic con, you've got a microphone, and you're interviewing people. And you, I I love Artist Alley because that's where all the uh, all the. Indie
1: here are the two people I know that are in similar industries. One's more direct, and one is sort of tangentially related. So I went to high school okay. with this guy, Chris Sprouse, who did the Tom. Strong comic book. Yeah. And okay. he also created, uh, what was it, Omni-Man? But he did a ton of like Marvel. He's an artist, right? He's not a- Yeah, working
2: writer. artist for a long yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So he's been he doing it since, either. you know, whatever, the late 80s or whatever. But he he and I went to high school together. So I remember him as the guy who drew the comic strip for my high school newspaper. So that's sure. that's how sure. I remember him. Um, but uh, he's, I mean, he's made a living in the industry, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's got a Wikipedia page, whatever. And this is not going to be directly in your industry, but it's, I think, going to be similar from a um, collaboration standpoint is I have a friend from college who writes children's picture books. And she was successful enough that Disney bought one of her books and turned it into a TV show, you know, and I've just had some discussions with her. Who was that? uh, Anne-Marie Pace. She wrote Vampirina Ballerina. And which okay. is now like a Disney junior or whatever TV mm-hmm. show. And there's a, if you go to, That's if you go to Disney world, uh, there's a Vampirina ballerina section. And she said, you know, people think that I just got like fabulously wealthy because they bought my book. And she said, look, they, <laughs> they paid me a fair price, but that basically yeah. mean we could get a new minivan for the household. You know what right. I mean? And she talked about how hard it is for even like mid-level authors. You know, she sold a, a fair amount of books, but she still doesn't get help marketing her stuff. So unless you're oh, no. Marvel, you know, or Stephen yeah. King, you know, you're well, out there that. hustling. Yeah, I would imagine even so. That,
2: Scott Snyder, Scott Snyder, who's been writing for, you know, the big three forever, yeah. is one of those guys who goes on Twitter and will constantly say, no, I had to call shops today to put my comic in the shops. Right. It doesn't matter if it's DC, it doesn't matter if it's Marvel. You right. call shops, you, you hustle, you go and you sign and you, you know, and you, you meet people and you, you press flesh because you have to. Publishing has always been that though. I worked for Barnes and Noble for a long time and that's yeah. just, that's publishing it doesn't matter if it's comics or books or unless you are in that 1%, you know, they really don't, they're not there. You have to do it. Yeah. She, um, call,
1: she calls up the local Barnes and Nobles like, yeah. Hey, I'd like to do a, you know, a book signing or a meet and greet or, or a reading or whatever. Yeah, you and really have to. She has to pay for everything, you know, and they are say, yeah, yeah sure. You can have a table.
2: It really is every level of publishing. My father was a, a college professor.
1: Yeah. And even when he wrote
2: textbooks, the text, his textbooks were published based on the size of his courses. If he had a big course that a lot of people took, right. okay, we'll publish a textbook. That's crazy. But that's the way publishing all it's yeah. just, you know, you got to do it for love. It's a tough industry. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or get really lucky. Yeah. Also <laughs> right. true.
1: Question. Go for it. Comic or graphic novel? What is? What ah. am I holding here in my hand?
2: You are holding a comic and the only difference Anybody who wants to fight me come find me. The only <laughs> difference between a comic and a graphic novel is length.
1: Yeah. So forever if, if, if this was 400 novels, pages, collect- yeah, it's graphic yeah. novel and okay.
2: And that's what we always called them when we especially where I come from, you know, you collected up a bunch of tra- a bunch of uh, a bunch of floppies and you called it a trade. Yeah. That's a graphic novel. Okay, gotcha. Now, in this day and age, I think people write to the longer format and they call it a graphic novel. You know, if you write a story that's meant to be published as a 96 to 200 page book yeah that's a graphic novel like yeah
1: gotcha and i was ju- i would have guessed graphic novel just because you know the quality of the paper is very high it's better than the you know comic book grade that i well, remember you know, from the 70s what got and there 80s in right your head is
2: self-publishing because we get yeah. to choose right right yeah <laughs> if
1: penguin to... is putting this out they might put it on shittier paper is that what you're saying
2: exactly well also different publishers use different stock and different stuff yeah. there are a couple out there that have returned a newsprint because it's cheaper to do and it's easier and yeah. it means they can get more copies made this was a labor of of love and it was also a proof of concept for me because when i was in the midst of running what you're reading i stumbled across a couple of uh, what was big back then was anthologies okay um, all these small all these small publishers would put together anthologies oh, they yeah. put out an open call mm-hmm. and i would publish you know publicize that open call for them cuz you know you want to get involved you sure. want to see and hear stuff and at some point i went open call well why don't i write something why don't you so if, right? write <laughs> so one of the creators i knew who's uh, who's wonderful this, this girl, Erica Schultz, said to me, well, go ahead. You're being silly. You're waiting too long. And I was like, yeah. um, all right, I guess, maybe, sure. So I pitched uh, to one of the the companies, this uh, company Red Stylo, and I got in. I was like, oh, my God, I'm in. So now I have to write the story. We did the uh, graphic novel called The 27 Club. The idea was you took – you picked a musician who had died at the age of 27, and you pick a song, and you use the song to inspire a short story.
0: Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's so, a really cool I mean,
2: idea. It Grizzly Red Stylo does great stuff like that. Yeah, Grizzly. Red Stylo does really wonderful stuff.
1: Grizzly and morbid, but also cool. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, exactly, well yeah, definitely. I picked uh, I picked uh, Jim Morrison and I did a vampire yeah. story, so it was a lot oh, of fun. Oh, wow. Badass. Um, that is. But I, wrote, but I wrote under a pseudonym, because at the time I felt that it, I didn't want publishers to think I was reviewing their work and competing unfairly, yeah. or that I was trying to get an angle in, because I really wasn't, yeah. you know? So I wrote under a different name, and after that first one, I got in a couple more anthologies, and it was fun. It was like, okay, write an eight-page story, write a four-page story. And then comics, like everything else, is at the whim of pop culture. So it started to become an industry that really wasn't looking for me to pitch. So, okay, that's cool. I won't. <laughs> I'll write my own stuff. Was it because well, it was more true? Lo- I'll yeah. pu- publish a full book. What?
0: Why weren't they why, – why would you say they weren't looking for you? How had it changed? What, what changed in Well, they mind? were just
2: looking for – They were. They, I want to say the anthologies became more focused on who was writing them and not what they were about, which is great. There were a lot of underserved creators out there who needed to get their voices out, and those people were being asked to, to submit and pitch. And I was like, "All right, great, let's promote the hell out of that." You know, um, you were probably you've, we've all seen what happened with GamerGate and what was going on in yeah. Marvel with you know yeah. women in Marvel. That was sort of when I was doing everything I was doing. So you step aside and you help promote the stuff that needs to be promoted. You don't worry that you're not getting in books. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you, again, it's not like it was my job. I wasn't getting paid to do this. How this was refreshing! Fun. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, As a woman, <laughs> now is it is um, it true no, that is it true that I don't you? Because
2: think so. just right. Okay. <laughs> not refreshing, just correct. You, you know what I mean? You you that's the you know that's the way you do it. You say like, all right, this is what I'm here for. I'm here to I'm here to amplify voices.
1: Is it true um, you chose the pseudonym Stan Lee? Is that correct? <laughs> Was that have, you? Have, have, gotten away with <laughs> that, that one was taken, sadly. <laughs> How has the industry changed? Now, when did you start? First, start getting into comics? Is that like eighties ish?
2: Oh, for me, yeah, it would have been. Late. Spinner rack would have been up. I was born in nineteen seventy, so spinner yeah. rack would have been. You so know, you're 76.
1: a baby. You're a baby, yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay, I was
2: okay. very young, and I yeah. bought comics. Like the, I would say my heyday of collecting was like the Claremont X Men run. So yeah. mid-80s, early Okay, mid-80s. gotcha. That's like the really, that's my stuff. You know, that's my jam. And I'm lucky. I live in right outside of Manhattan. I live in Queens. And all we had comic shops by the time I was 12. There were co- more than sure. I could think of. You, yeah. know, you could go to a bunch. Um, so I was very lucky that way. And I still have a local comic shop that I can go to and find stuff. But the industry has, I, I, it sucks because the industry is great right now. Yeah. The industry itself, I feel is wonderful, but they're not making the money they should make. It's like, mm. they're not selling as much as they should simply in my opinion, because the world of electronics has killed us in a lot of right. ways. Comics are not as much fun to read on an iPad as they are in your hand. I don't, you know, again, fight me. I don't know. No, I, I don't want to read a comic yeah. on the screen, you know, I want to hold it in my hand. And I think that hurt us. And I think the costs of publishing hurt us and stores started closing. So it's harder for the industry, yeah. but the stuff that's being put out is brilliant. There's so much good stuff out there and there's so many great people doing it and it's hard to get the word out. And I I really, I should not have backed off of what you're reading, but I couldn't do it anymore. Putting seven, eight articles up a day is not easy when you can't pay people and there's no money in in web advertising. Let's be honest. You know, I was funding that site completely out of my pocket.
1: I'm certainly no comic book expert, but you know, I was, I was a kid that grew up in the seventies, eighties and i'm familiar with it and it seems to me that the comic book content at least when i was younger was mostly shit right it was like <laughs> it was like the fucking archies yeah but and, i mean
0: that when that came out that yeah. must have resonated and you know it's just maybe it was not you know to your taste well but it doesn't it was, mean it. it doesn't mean that it was like, poor quality
1: look, nobody liked that stuff
0: what are you talking about? Well, I was like, always rooting well, Richie, for Veronica.
1: <laughs> Richie Rich, Rich. was definitely a 50s holdover in yeah, my opinion.
2: exactly. Like that, that kind of yeah. story was a 50s holdover. Exactly. Might as it, well... often, it often reflected, I think comics often reflect the the culture of the moment. Right. If you look at the way comics were written when we were kids, they were very similar to what was going on in TV and movie stuff. You know, yep. Similar storylines, similar, similar ideas. I like that mainstream comics have often harkened yeah. back to that basic mythology of these are our heroes and this is sure. what they do. I would still go back and read a mid-80s Avengers comic and it's great stuff.
1: It got confusing for me when I had to keep track of what universe I was in. Right. Oh, of
2: course. Am I, I in Earth that. three
1: five nine or whatever? Is is, <laughs> now, is has Iron I've Man never... died seven times in the last week? I don't know. You know, and it, it got. I a am a comic expert
2: by yeah. a long shot. Any friend in the in the industry I have will tell you that I am not that guy. Like I cannot yeah. chapter and verse every book I ever read. I'm just not. That wasn't why I was reading them. I was reading them because I really loved them and I enjoyed them. And to this day, I can't tell you which issue it is. But there's an issue of Iron Man where Tony Stark is staring into the mirror that's on the top of his dresser. And on the dresser is his helmet, a bottle of scotch, and a glass that's half full. And he looks shot. And the whole storyline was about the fact that he was an alcoholic. And this is a comic book. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, and I and was, that gonna, was on a spinner rack and yeah. I built it I bought it off a
1: spinner rack. It, it was almost like a huge contrast. They would have that shitty, you know, bubblegum stuff, but then there yeah. would be like these like macabre war comics mm-hmm. sure. where like people have swamp things grown out of their eyes and
2: <laughs> Oh, the hard the horror comic industry is always oh been my God, that yeah. And, but that's what I'm saying, like for me in the 80s, uh the X-Men was a book about a bunch of young people yeah. trying to come to terms with the fact that they didn't understand themselves or their bodies or their powers. Yeah, That's what we were all going through. <laughs> that was high school for crying out loud. It yeah. was perfect. What drew yeah. me to it was the fact that you had, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little young for it, but you had Western comics and you had sure. space comics and you had crime comics and you had horror comics because it's not, a, it's, it's not a genre. Yeah. Comics is just a way to tell a story and you can tell any story in a comic book.
0: Many of them mm-hmm. are very pretending. literary. At what you're, at how you, how you're describing that, you know, like just these really great, deep, unexpected narratives, really realistic, mm-hmm. true to life, thoughtful narratives. And sometimes, I think that
2: and then, you know. And then, and then sometimes, sometimes not. Superman. But but like
0: kind yeah. of what you're talking about there. Th- let me ask you, do you enjoy those better? Are those the ones that you like that have a powerful narrative or do you do you like them all equally?
2: I don't know. I don't I can't say equally. I mean, I I read Batman growing up. Um I read Spider-Man growing up. You know, Spider-Man's a perfect example of a a, a hero who deals with very common basic everyday problems. But always returns to the same basis at the end, sort of like a, a sitcom where when the episode's over, he's right back to being Peter Parker, you know, kid who goes to school and has to have a job and has to deal with stuff, which is fun. But I also loved um, one of the companies I worked for did a, um, a continuation of Cask of Amontillado called House of Montresor, which was wonderful. And it, it felt like Poe. It was
1: great. Did they let the guy out of from behind the brick wall?
2: (laughs) I'll I'll send you a copy. Okay,
1: look at it. (laughs) Oh yeah, I don't want spoilers. That's what I'm
2: saying. What one of the greatest things about comics is that it is such a broad field. The company I first pitched to and wrote and have been in a couple of uh, of anthologies for, Red Stylo, did literary comics. Like that's what they did. They did uh, trades called Shakespeare Shaken and um, and and they did a a book called Baroque Pop, which was all based on Lana Del Rey. Like you do stuff, you pick stuff, you have fun with it. Mm -hmm. The big two or three. Yes, they primarily deal with you know superheroes and returning back to what they need to return to to keep selling books. I get that. Uh, my favorite at this point uh, would be anything in the Hellboy universe. I can yeah. read any Hellboy comic, any spinoff, and it's been going on forever, and it will go on forever because it's you know it's a great character. I was never a huge superhero guy. I love them. I mean, they're part of my my world. Yeah. You know? I think that's probably because I love to read, and I've loved to read all my life. I'm sitting amongst a ridiculous amount of books, and I will continue to read for as long as I can. And, that's, that's really my primary, you know, entertainment. So comics is just another way to do that.
1: And it's you an know? easily it, – it sometimes can make things a little more digestible – Right, sure. To uh, because it can be a slog sometimes, especially depending on the author. Right, like mm-hmm. trying to get through. It. Like if if they had pitched to me Faulkner, but in a graphic <laughs> novel, like maybe I would have gone for that. Right, as it is,
2: sure. I hate
0: Faulkner. I, I yeah, hate
2: but I got to tell you, Faulkner's. I would hate terrible. to be the the writer or the artist trying to interpret that. Oh thing. yeah, right. <laughs>
0: of course. <laughs> well, that's actually a segue for me because I have a question about you've you've talked a little bit. A, a couple of times about working with an illustrator. How do you work with an illustrator to help you tell your story? Because you're saying as the person who's writing the script, you are essentially doing the blocking of it, right? Like in your mind, you know you how it. you want it to look. You you know, you're not giving him the words and saying, interpret those however you want it to be. You're saying, here's what I'm envisioning visually to go along with my words
2: no, yes and no yeah I've, I've had a whole bunch of different experiences and that was what was great about working anthologies sometimes you write a script and you send it off and you never see it again. You see nothing until the book is published. Sometimes you write a script and an editor, you go back and forth and beat the script up, and then it goes to the artist and you never see it again. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you work directly with an artist where you start spitballing something. There's a company called, uh, they used to do 48 hour comic project where you would literally just sit you know, back and forth with the artist and the writer, coming up with the story and blocking it out together. I got to do that on one of the other anthologies, which was uh, uh, an Elvis inspired anthology that I worked on, which was oh, really fun and we spitball cool. a lot of stuff. And we played around, and we just we had a good time with it. Sometimes you can write a really loose script and just say, you know, so and so sitting at his desk. Fine. Well, just give it to the artist and see what he does with it. Or you can say he's sitting at his desk. You know, the desk is a, a roll top, and he's you know this guy and this guy. When I when I did the book you have in your hand, the Sherlock book, I had a very specific idea of what I wanted the characters to look like. So I tried to make sure that I I conveyed that in the script. But even then, when I hired the artist and we went back and forth, he sent me sketches and we talked it out. He would say to me, oh, you know, this page looks good, but I'm not clear on how you want this to, to, to flow. Oh, okay, let's talk it through. So it can be a very collaborative process or it can be blind. If you're, if you're doing your own book and you're hiring your own artist, you know this artist because yeah. you looked at his work. You hired him because you wanted him. That book that, you, that you're looking at tonight is, I, I knew that Jeremiah was the right guy to draw it. I had seen his stuff. All I had to tell him was that, I didn't want any characters from wonderland to look like animals i wanted right. it to be real world right. i wanted you know i wanted it to i want, and that was that was the conversation the conversation was you know uh, suggest it let it feel like it you know be subtle and he was and it was brilliant and i don't think i i don't think i changed one design that he sent me i think everything he sent me was perfect
0: Well, you know, we Um, are 28 minutes into our conversation and we we haven't haven't even even talked about your goddamn comic book. (laughs) So why don't you tell us the name of your book and a little bit about it? And I don't know how much detail I'll leave it up to you to say how much detail you want to share about the storyline.
2: The book is called uh, Sherlock Holmes in the Wonderland Conundrum. It's the story of Sherlock Holmes searching for a girl who he may or may not find on the streets of London he runs into a bunch of weirdos and he has a great time doing it. That's essentially the nutshell. Why I wrote it was because I was looking at another anthology and I I put together a pitch And i looked at the pitch again and i said i don't want to send this i don't want to do this in eight pages (laughs) it's i can do too much i don't want to do it in eight pages yeah so i didn't pitch it and i rewrote it and i published it myself because i said no i don't want to do this that way i like how it came out it was a lot of fun to write that is how a lot of ideas happen you hear about something or you see something or somebody suggests something you go okay let's play with that i love both worlds sherlock's world and the alice in wonderland world very really a lot i've read them both many times so it was a lot of fun to see how i could mash them up without going through the looking glass necessarily
1: and i think uh, alice in wonderland is one of the richest uh, often used but one of the richest source of you know metaphors and analogies and uh imagery of you know almost anything in, in in english literature right i mean it's just definitely it's so rich and because it was such a fever dream, you know, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, but you you have so many, you know, metaphors and symbols to play with there. And, you know, I don't think we're, you know, letting the cat out of the bag because it's right there in the title. But <laughs> it, it is very interesting to see how it slowly develops mm-hmm. and becomes mm-hmm. clearer that, you know, kind of what is going on um, without hitting you over the head with it. So I thought that was that was an excellent part of, of the uh, story development. Thank you
2: well that was kind of it when i when i read that book to my daughter in in the crib when i used to read it to her at night what i really loved most about it was obviously the prose it's beautifully written but the characterizations were just they stick with you they're characters that you that will stay with you forever yeah. the characters in those in that book so the fun part when i decided to mash up these two worlds was what do you bring over and what do you emphasize and you know how again you know i'm not carol i'm not writing you know i wasn't writing a masterpiece i wanted to have a little fun with a couple of characters sure. you know but they were a lot of fun to work with, and there was a lot that I could put into it by using those voices.
1: I did have some thoughts if you're interested on a sequel, maybe like <laughs> Hercule Pra Row and the Giant Peach, maybe <laughs> would be a nice crossover. Ah,
2: uh, <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. Let's see where you're going. Yeah.
0: Do you want to tell about who your uh, illustrator is?
2: Jeremiah Jeremiah Sheikh is a, a, he's an excellent artist. He's um one of those guys that when you speak to him and when, when you hear his work, you know he, you know how he's going to draw. You can feel it on him. He's just one of those – just a, a powerful artist who draws really beautifully. And he has a book out now right now of his own called Hush. Hush Ronan. That's worth picking up. And he's going to be big. Like I got him early and I was lucky. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't know if I'll be able to afford it. I was going to say before his before
1: yeah. his prices exploded, yeah. Exactly.
2: So. Well, that's, that's – yeah, that's the whole – oh, if you want to talk publishing later on, that's really uh, – you would be shocked at how hard it is to publish a comic. But this story, I don't know if it's going to go any further. It could. I mean, I left it. I left it at a spot where I know where I would go. But I have three other scripts I'm working on.
1: That's excellent. <laughs> that I want to publish. Um, Similar genre or more of a departure from what this is? Oh God, all over the place. That's, I mean, that's, that's good. That's You know, yeah.
2: that was that's again one of the great things about having written for anthologies. Uh, I wrote. You know, I've written horror. I've written sci-fi. I've written action. I've written. You know, I, I all shorts, but I know. You know. The genres are all fun to play and it just depends on what story you want to tell.
1: Yeah. So if you, you know? want, if you want to get um, me to buy your comic, um, dig up like Frank Frazetta or somebody, you know, oh. and uh, bring him back and just write a nice, you know, I Conan story or something. That'd be awesome.
2: They they have, they have a Death Dealer comic out. I don't know if you're Oh, do they? Of, no, I didn't know that. Dealer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's pretty yep. cool. I remember that I, picture. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Sure. Well, that's, there were novels I mean, and everything. I, mean, yeah. I have a statue. Oh, yeah. I have a Death Dealer statue yeah, really? somewhere. If yeah, you saw yeah. that, Christina's
1: um, kind of looking puzzled, but if you saw the Death Dealer, well, first of all, you weren't a boy I, in the 70s, I know so that's exactly, a little tricky yeah, yeah. for you. But
0: I am enjoying listening but to your Frank Frazetta is, he
1: was just this fantasy artist that just, you know, and he, he wrote the kind of the he drew the kind of archetypal fantasy guys, right? The guys have, you know, 4 million layers of muscle and the mm-hmm. women are wearing <laughs> the tiniest armored bikinis of all time. <laughs> it was just, guy is
2: sitting on a, you know, every hero is sitting on a giant horse with yeah, a huge battle. It's, axe. it's, it's wonderful the, stuff. It's, it's the ridiculous. kind of
1: thing you expect to see spray painted on the side of a van. Right.
2: <laughs> De- definitely. Had I had the money, my van would yeah. have had it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right.
0: Tell us, about publishing
2: well that that was that was interesting because again you know like you pitch and you submit and you have books come out and like you you go to comic conventions and you sell them and you sign you get to see a lot of it maybe you're involved in a kickstarter with a project and you see how it gets from you know talking about it to doing it but actually publishing a comic is quite hard
0: this isn't you contact amazon and just self-publish on amazon
1: Mm, I haven't done that yet. How long is that? I I suspect from a text standpoint, it's not hard at all, but when you're dealing with- but if you're
0: doing, right, that's that's what I I, mean. Very intricate page page
1: layouts. Yeah.
2: I was intelligent in one aspect. I had written this script and I had shown it around to a few friends in the the business, people that I knew, and they were like, no, it's a good script, run with it. I'm like, okay, great. And then I sat here and said, what do I do? Um, So I hired an editor. Who had, who I know had published comics in the past. Yeah, the editor looked it over. He liked it. We talked about some stuff, and he said, "I'm going to bring you some artists." He sent me some artists to look at. I fell in love with Jeremiah's work through Jer- You know, Jeremiah and I talked a bunch. We we made a deal. We put together a contract. Fine, great. So he starts sending me pencils, and I go, "Oh, which is um, the first, essentially the first stage of the art, which is just you know, just roughs and then pencil drawings, no ink, no color, none of that, just just pencils." I'm looking at the pencils and i go oh my god what am i going to do with these like what do i do with this so i reached out to another friend in comics <laughs> and i said um can i hire you to help me can you be my production editor please because i don't know what to do here i don't know where to go with this yeah mm-hmm. and she stepped in and she and she, a wonderful woman who yelled at me constantly and told me what i needed to do next <laughs> right. but you go through many stages of getting the art ready and then once you've laid it, you have to pick a printer. You have to find yeah. a printer who you feel you can afford. You, you, you talk to everybody you can, you go out on social media and you go, anybody heard of this guy? Are they any good? Um, and you look through and you, you research paperweights and, and finishes, and you ask advice from anybody who will give advice, which I have to tell you, the comic book community is wonderful.
1: That's great. People
2: I've never spoken to people. I had never interviewed people who didn't know me, they would answer a question. You know, no problem. Hit him up on Twitter, you know, reach out, re- answer. You get a newsletter from a big guy, respond to the newsletter and ask a question. He's probably gonna answer you because they all love what they do. So slowly but surely you drill down to the pa- to the point where you have a, a finished file that hopefully your production editor has locked down for you and you send it to the printer and you pay the printer and they send you the books. Sounds really simple. It was not, it was terrifying yeah. because it costs thousands of dollars to print those books. Uh, that is why you see comic book Kickstarters because the reality is most people don't have the money saved to publish a book physically i had reached out to a bunch of stores that i knew already just guys that i had dealt with and asked if they would carry it so i knew i could order enough to send out and not feel like they were all going to sit in my house for the rest of my life which there are still many too many sitting in my house so when we put the link up later hopefully people will go and buy it (laughs) but um (laughs) they better that's what you do you find people who know how to do the job you hire them and you let them do the job because there are people out there who really really know their business and without those people Mm it's not gonna get done and again not that I'm not disparaging the people who make zines or who make you know literally handmade comics that's amazing that wasn't what I was trying to do I wanted to make sure that I could take a script from my brain and at the end have a comic in my hand because if I could do that once I could do it again
1: how much harder would this have been if you didn't if you hadn't already been kind of uh, in that industry you know, as a reviewer.
2: How much tenacity do you have? Because the yeah. answers are out there. This industry has all the same shortcomings and pitfalls of any industry. You can get in with the wrong people. You can trust people too much. You know, there are a lot of people out there who will take your money. Yeah. There are a lot of companies yeah. out there who will, who will quote unquote publish your book for you. But like any intellectual property, you have to think about what you're doing and ask a lot of advice. Would I self-publish from scratch again? I don't know. There are a lot of small press publishers out there I've shown. I have proof of concept now. Now is when you start saying to guys, hey, you know, are you looking for anybody? Now I know I can produce. And now I'm like, okay, you know, I have to finish the next script because, geez, I got to get another book out, right? What's the point otherwise? I hope
0: so. And I mean, it's such a great book. I lo- I loved it. I loved the story. I loved the art. I really appreciated the spare use of color. I mean, it's essentially black and white with... Sp- the yes. splashes of color and that's the art was so important in striking the mood for me. You know, the words obviously were driving the story and in, in, in oh, combination no. I, with I the picture. I completely but understand
2: what you're saying. I feel the exact same way when I read it. <laughs> Believe me, I don't look at it and go, Oh, my words are perfect. I go, wow, he did a great job here. Yeah. Yeah. The, you it, know, uh,
0: it really, but it really sets the, it sets the mood. It wraps around your words, right. That really mm. works so well in, in, um, in concert. And I, I, and the use of color as you did, was such a great choice. What was that? It Was that your choice? Was that?
2: When, when I was looking at Jeremiah's work, Jeremiah does all, Jeremiah does black and white. He does full color. He does uh, limited color palettes. But I really liked his, his, his black and white work. I really liked the way it looked. I liked his lines. I didn't want to mess with that. I wanted it to look that way. On top of the fact that um, when you put a comic together, usually you deal with a penciler, uh, an inker, a colorist, a letterer, all separate people. Sometimes you'll have an artist that'll do all of them, but often you're dealing with at least that many people on a production of a book. Jeremiah did all his pencils and all his inks. And I was happy with that work. So I had no reason to hire anybody to do right. color. I did hire a letterer. Uh, someone else did the letters, which was fun because I had to find that person too, which was just like this production manager that I, that I had helping me would say like, okay, go find this person. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Let's start looking. I'm let's on Let's start it. asking around. But that's the point. If, you, if you're if you the type of person that loves this stuff, as I said, I'm not encyclopedic about about my fandoms. I'm not that type of person. But there are people out there who could tell you who the 10 best letters are you have to have the balls to reach out and say hey hi uh, can you do this for me what would it cost i got to do that for the cover because of course you don't even think about that you put the whole book together and then my production editor said um you have a cover artist and i went oh god let me start looking no. <laughs> and i'm looking around and um there's currently this great doctor who comic uh out of titan and i love the work their artist is out there and she's on She's on Twitter and she's on Instagram, and she's one of those people who you can find her, Roberta Ingranata. And I, I said, I can't ask this woman. She's a professional. I'm going to ask her to, you know, draw the cover for my little book. I reached out and I emailed her and I said, Hey, would you be interested? And she was like, Of course. It's a great idea. Let's go. Wow. And I'm like, Oh my God. It's like I'm a professional. What the hell's going on here? You're, you're, <laughs> you know, she sent me a price list, and I was like, Okay, great. Let's do this. And she was wonderful. And again, then I had to approve her sketches and I had to approve. And then she had a colorist that she works with, and we had to get her in on it. It's amazing, but it's so much fun. To see the stuff you've thought up come to take life, on a like life.
0: how long did it take from you know, sort of soup to nuts? Takes
2: about a year. A year it takes about a year, yeah. With year. with
0: the script already written, or or including including writing the script, or did you write I it before I that?
2: Finish, I think I was still finishing it <laughs> as Jeremiah started, to be honest, because you know you go back. Mm-hmm. But I had a script ready. Yeah, I had written a script, but that's including going through an editing process, finding the artist, the artist starting to work. It depends on how fast the artist is. Mm-hmm. You know how 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 quickly can they turn out pages, mm. um, and that's that's why you pay them what they're worth.
1: I'm slightly surprised that they haven't replaced letterers with comic book font. Not comic sans, obviously. Big no big but yeah, difference because there are there are digitally lettered. There are people yeah. who do it digitally. There are people
2: who work from, but there are guys who still hand letter with a with a brush. Yeah, and there are people who use lettering programs that use all different fonts. But the reality is, I tried to learn it. One of the things a lot of writers do is they learn lettering to save money. Yeah. Because it's a couple of dollars a page to get a letter. Sure. So you go into Photoshop and you know, programs like that and you can do it, but man, it takes a flair. To get that balloon right, to get the, to use the right style, to convey emotion in a in a in a bubble is not
1: easy. Sure, because it you really can't is. you don't get three paragraphs to describe an apple. Okay. Right or well, not unless someone's
2: it's 1970s Marvel. Yeah, there you know, where <laughs> yeah. Write, It's
1: you know, a big, where big block of text. Yeah,
2: that was probably the hardest note I took from an editor. Yeah, was you know too wordy. Reword this, rewrite yeah. that. <laughs> that's that's not going to work. And I'm like, but but I like the way it sounds. You know? <laughs> yeah, but I love my words. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you kill a lot of darlings. You really do. So even when you get past this point, so you've got a book out, and you're looking at your next script. I hired an editor six months ago to look at a script that wasn't really ready, but I wanted him to look at it. So I hired him. I paid him. He looked at it. He gave me notes. Said, Thank you. And I went back to writing because the reality is that's how you do it. You yeah. work until the project's ready, and then you launch it. That's one of the reasons why it's so hard to do this for a living. And I know people right now who do this for a living. And I don't they, they amaze me. There's a, a woman coming up now who's been in the business for a long time doing independent stuff, Erica Schultz. And she's been landing Marvel stuff. She had written a Charmed comic for a while for one of the the other imprints. She'd done a whole bunch of stuff. She's been landing Marvel stories and I'm watching her snowball. And she's been a working writer for God forever as far, you know, as long as I've been in this business, she's been writing and to see how it takes off and how like, okay, she's not just self-publishing anymore. She's not just looking for small companies anymore. She's, you know, she's going to be that kid. She's going to be writing for Marvel. You know, she'll have a series just a matter of time. It's such a great business in that respect.
1: But people you have to be your own publicist control. right you have to be your own publicist yeah, you and marketing department and i mean that's a lot right
2: you have to constantly be networking you have to go to conventions you have to meet people you have to be able to step up and shake hands with people and say hi this is what i do and if you haven't been to a comic convention you see it you see the kids carrying portfolios around yeah. you see people trying to get the ear of this artist or that you know that that uh that editor that's the way to do it you know it's it's the only way to do it is to get in the business and be in the business hmm. You know so and that's one of the reasons why it took me almost 30 years to publish because who has time for that unless that's going to be your life
0: how did you run your schedule so like because it's not that you're just writing this is like there, this was like a huge big process the writing the marketing the printing like mm. uh, for it was just this huge huge big process what for the you? comic yeah, for so your comic. So how, how well, did you do your schedule? Like, what's, what's schedule, your schedule I, like?
2: I would say, I may get yelled at for this later on by, by, by other people I know in this business, but I feel the schedule runs itself. If you have a script and you have an artist working on it and the artist has given you a timeline for completion, you have, you have a timeline. You know when the book's gonna be ready to go to the printer, so you better be ready. But you, you gauge based on that. You gauge on the physical production of the book because you don't want the book sitting. You want it out there. And that's one of the reasons why you'll see Kickstarters for incomplete projects, because they're putting the project out there to complete with funding. So they need to fund it to complete it mm-hmm. because you're paying as you go. I, I pay I set up a payment structure with my with my artist. If I had been trying to raise funds for this book, that would have been my schedule. You know, <laughs> would have right. been, you know, the completion dates. That is one of the nice things about comics is that it's a physical thing. It has to be completed. So you kind of gauge yourself along with it.
0: How much time does that take away from so sort of that's your I don't really know what to call it because it's sort of like I don't want to say like your hobby and make it sound dismissive. It is a hobby. But, no, okay. it's a hobby. So for, like you know, so how right, do you schedule that relevant. in? Because you have a family and you, you have a full time job. So are you how?
1: criticizing <laughs> the time he spent making <laughs> no, this comic?
0: No, I'm not. You, do you, you do, think do, his I, children are just, you know, starving? No, it just sounds They
1: do
2: miss me, but it's OK i'll be back someday <laughs> D- daddy'll be back in a year
0: i thought you
2: just asked if i've gone out for milk yet again yeah, yeah, that's
0: all <laughs> out yeah. no but it just sounds <laughs> like it there's a lot a lot of time and i know okay again there is i i have just with the podcast there's oh. a lot i mean it takes me a lot of time takes right? me
1: like two hours a week
0: but yeah See, no,
2: i would say i would say interestingly i would say you guys have it harder because One of the great things about comics is in the marketing of comics and in the, you know, trying to, trying to make sure people know you're writing one and drawing one and that it's coming, you're out around people who are into comics. So when I was on Twitter say, you know, writing posts about this upcoming comic and, and putting up art, you know, snips of what Jeremiah was doing and talking about, you know, when it was coming out, I'm not only talking to people that I hope are going to buy it. I'm talking to people who make comics. So they're talking back. Mm -hmm. So it's not just promotion. It's not just you know, making a comic, you're also engaging in a community, which is great. When I stepped out there and said, I'm making this book and this is the guy that I'm working with, the amount of people who came back to me in email or on, on social media saying, That's great, man. You know, when I met you in Boston at Boston Comic Con and you covered my book, I knew you'd do this sooner or later and we're so happy for you, it's just amazing. But what's interesting is that happens every time. So you never really feel like you're you're beating your head against the wall because there's people out there responding, even if it isn't someone going, I ordered your book, it's somebody going, Wow, you made a book, cool, let me say. Yeah, you know, which is just yeah. wonderful.
1: Nobody is happy um, for us.
0: <laughs>
2: well, that's what I'm saying. Podcasting seems like it's, it's well, a more-
0: we have active haters. Yeah,
1: we've so. actually, yeah, we've gotten uh, cease and desist notices. and
2: <laughs> death uh, threats? Some of the Twitter threads. Yeah. Death, I've seen some of the Twitter threads yeah. Yeah. about yeah. the haters. Yeah. De-
1: death threats to <laughs> hey. us and uh, my dog. <laughs> so, well, of course, you have an opinion. Yeah. You have an opinion. Someone's going to hate it's you. It's awesome. Oh, God. <laughs> There's this suspicious 30-year gap right? Mm -hmm. Between I want to do this and I did do this. So Mm -hmm. this series that we've been, that Christina has come up with, where we're talking to Gen X people who have decided to do something new and creative Mm -hmm. and interesting in their forties, fifties, whatever. What finally got you to do it?
2: Yeah. I mean, you could be sappy about it and say, because you, you want to make a mark before you go, you want to make sure you do something. At some point, and i made marks in my life i mean I, I i'm proud of myself i've had a good run and i i know a lot of people and i did a lot of cool things but i wanted a book yeah with my name on it that i wrote not just writing under a pseudonym but i was always in anthologies so you go to conventions and you stand at the table and you 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 try to sell the book and you're selling the whole book yeah and you've got this story in the middle you want to see it uh, yeah. you know it's yeah, like, right? hey, i did this yeah i wanted i not only wanted to see that book in my hand with my name on it, but I wanted to show myself that I could do it. Because like a lot of people from our generation, we, we, we grew up, we got jobs and we lived our lives. Not below the line, but just you know, lived our lives, had a good yeah. time. And I like to say that I've had any job you could have that didn't need a degree. I have been a sound man, I've been a roadie, I've been a bartender, I've been a waiter, I've been a tech, I've worked in retail, name it, I probably did it. All of those things were fun. I enjoyed the hell out of them. But the thing I always returned to was books, comics, Or books, always. So if I could do this, I was going to do it.
1: That's
0: so great! What a great answer. You say you've done
1: many jobs. At any point, did you have to say to somebody, "I want you to be nice until it's time not to be nice"? Like, were you a bouncer at a at a bar at a like a country bar anywhere ever? (laughs) I've
2: never roadhouse. I've never (laughs) never gotten to work the roadhouse.
1: Well, I will tell you,
2: close though. I'll tell you. Put that on the bucket list. yeah, I, I got to be a, a roadie for a bar band in the Bronx in the Irish bars. And that's oh, a lot
1: of fun. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah,
2: that's that's yeah, that's that's interesting. And you the Guinness is flowing. You'd be surprised you'd be surprised how many 20 year olds want to dance to white sport coat and a pink carnation? Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Sure. Now,
0: that's awesome. Can I just have you come back on the show and let us have conversations with you? Because this been, I would
2: love to this has been any any so- any any weird topic you want to cover. Nicole.
1: Oh, <laughs> this
0: has been so pleasurable i have really enjoyed this this is probably one of my favorite author interviews you are a great guest and i would like to thank, thank you, you so much for coming on um oh, thank you guys. would you like to share inf- any information let's share some information about how people can get your book and yeah. where they might be able to find you on social media
2: well you can find me on uh, primarily twitter these days even though it's a you know garbage mm-hmm. Cesped, and yeah. at, uh, it's it's real simple. It's just my name at Chuck underscore Suffle. You can find me pretty easy there. And actually, if you do, I've I've got a lot of people I can connect you with who have really good books out there. We are a community, and I'd love to spread you know all the all the stuff I can. As for my comic, uh, you can find it at What You Read and Press, and uh, that'll direct you to the store, the, the online store. It's it's in a couple of comic shops, but it's been out for a while, so you won't find it as easily. You'd have to ask. Better off just going to the site. Yep. And checking it out. And that's of course listed on my social media as
1: well. There will be more. I, I'm chop, just chop.
2: working to get it done.
1: Look, oh, we're, we're, on, we're on a deadline here. Well, so
0: now the next time, right before you when when you're getting it ready to publish and stuff, then you have to come on and talk to us and yeah. we'll, it'll be it'll be like sneak we'll get preview. a sneak preview. Yeah, that would
2: <laughs> be great. And don't stop here. There are, trust me, there are more guys in our age group who do this kind of stuff. Reach out, look on Twitter, find us. For we sure. Need to talk about our stuff. For sure. We need you
0: guys. <laughs> oh, we would love that.
1: Chuck, thank you very much, and uh, you know, hurry up with the next one. And by the way, yes, we'll that uh, Hercule Poirot idea, free of charge. <laughs> no, you don't even have to credit oh, you're, me. You're no a print, no. no,
2: mark your print. Oh
1: yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that's what Christina thank you thinks. It was a pleasure. <laughs>
0: Okay, that was fun. <laughs> yes, it
1: was fun, and now we have a few words. Do you have some words you want I to try out? I do have out? some words. How about Wittershins?
0: No, the words are this. If you would like to hear more from us, please come and follow us on Twitter. That's where we're the most active, although Mark is pretty good at posting things, I guess, on Facebook as well. Our Twitter, mine is at X. Mark's is at MarkEatsPeach. And our podcast page is... At extemporaneous2. All right. So I think that that's where we'll leave it and just trying to figure out how to get Chuck to come back on.
1: Peace out, Cub Scouts.
0: Bye.